Good morning, friends. It's great to be with you. My name's Mark. Uh, Keep that passage open in front of you. I trust you have found and downloaded an outline, which you'll find on our website. Uh, That will really help you follow along. Uh, A few of the themes that that we're looking at today, as Stuart's indicated, are flowing through uh, this passage and, and for the rest of the Gospel. So it'd be good to have the Bible open and an outline to help you know where we're going. Uh, You might be aware, friends, that I am actually an amateur fisherman. Uh, Whenever we go on holidays, my family and I just love to uh, get a rod, get the tackle box out and spend a few times throwing in the hook. Uh, it's, It's actually a very fun family activity whether you're fiddling, uh, feeding the little tiddlers in the lagoons, catching tasty leather jacket or bream off a boat uh, in a lake, or even Australian salmon, if you can get onto some rocks and uh, catch those. They are a great fish and they fight hard. They're tasteless, but uh, they're great to catch. Uh, and since this passage mentions fishing, uh, it's a great opportunity for me to share a few of my tips uh, if you're considering a cheap and uh, fun hobby uh, after lockdown. Uh, My first tip is to invest in the correct gear. I bought one of my rods today. Uh, This is uh, my estuary rod, uh, which is ideal, obviously, for fishing in lagoons and in rivers. Um, If you got the correct size hook on, you can uh, get some nice uh, smaller size fish uh, with this one. It, it certainly won't get your hook and sinker out beyond a breakers at a beach. You need a beach fishing rod for that. And I got my beach fishing rod out and just the base of it is about twice the size of that. It, it's huge. It's really thick and huge because it helps you get the hook out the back. You need the correct gear to catch the fish where they are. So... That's my first tip, get the correct gear. Nice rod for for, um, rivers and lagoons, but don't bother using it uh, on the beach. Uh, My second tip, use the correct bait. A a fish doesn't wake up in the morning and think, well, this morning I want to eat a metal hook for breakfast. Uh, Rather, it's attracted to the worms and the prawns and, and fish that are common in our waters. So... If you get the correct bait, you chum up the water with some burley, uh, you'll also attract the fish to you. Uh, in Europe, the funny thing to do when, catching, when we were catching trout was to get white bread, great bait, and add MSG, which I, d- I don't know why that works, is a great burley for trout. So you combine and mash them all up and, and that's what you do to c- catch trout. Uh, My next fishing tip is one of timing. Uh, Fish tend to eat at the change of tide. Uh, That is, when the tide is going out, it's bringing all the the food down down the river for the bigger fish to eat, and when the the tide changes, it brings in nutrients from the sea. If you've got your hook in the water at those times, you're more likely to catch a fish. Uh, uh, You can toss in a line any time, Uh, But I think the only thing you you get out of it is a lesson in patience um, rather than easier pickings. 
And no matter what Rex Hunt might say, if you kiss the fish that you catch and throw them back, that doesn't increase your chances of getting something quicker. My final tip as an amateur fisherman is that you, you've got to realise that you can't talk the fish onto your barbecue. Uh, fishing is a skill. It requires patience. You can use all the best gear. You can use fish finders to locate the fish, but you still need to put in the effort to hook them. You have to understand that fish fit into that area of life that uh, we call completely out of your control. You cannot command a fish to jump in onto your barbecue unless... Luke records for us an occasion when all my best fishing, fishing tip, tips are proven false. Luke tells us about a word. There is a word which has such great power. There is, it has power to control the uncontrollable. It has power to transform. There is a word which can overload a boat with fish. There is a word which, when spoken, gives hope and purpose to the hopeless and powerless. What is that word? This, un this powerful word which controls the uncontrollable and, and gives hope and transforms lives? Well, let's consider this passage from Luke 5 to, to find out about this powerful word. You see in the first verse there that Luke tells us of an occasion when Jesus is beside Lake Gennesaret. Uh, it's another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's a bit like how the Hawkesbury River is also called the Nepean River. It just depends which direction you approach it from. And you might remember uh, up to this point that Luke has been sharing with us about the identity and the purpose of Jesus. Uh, he is the expected Christ, the Son of God. He's the Holy One of Israel on whom God's Spirit rests. He is also an ex expected to be a saviour, the one who will redeem Israel. Uh, there are a few of the terms that Lucas uh, reminds us of. He's used stories to, to tell us about Jesus' identity. And you might remember from Luke 4 how Jesus used those words from the prophet Isaiah to state his purpose. Uh, he was here to proclaim liberty and recovery and a great reversal of fortunes. And so as Jesus has been travelling around proclaiming his message, uh, he in fact starts bringing a great transformation uh, as um, Stuart said earlier, there was the demons were cast out. He had healed people uh, as he was travelling around Judea. And he, now we come beside this lake and he, again he's teaching. Uh, and we're not surprised by this, this time the, the, to see that the crowds are coming to hear him. Something significant is happening here. Uh, Luke mentions something which shapes Je who Jesus is and, and what he's doing. Uh, people are extremely interested in Jesus' ministry to the point where they're almost going to push him into this lake. Why? What is happening here? Look again at, the, uh, at verse 1 there. 
the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. Uh, I suspect we're so familiar with this, with these gospel narratives that we might actually not notice the extraordinary thing that's happening here. Yes, people are really keen to hear Jesus' teaching. We're very aware of that. And so they keep moving forward. Of course, you can imagine it would get very tricky to keep teaching people if they all end up in the lake together. Well, there is a simple solution. Uh, Luke mentions it in verse 2. Uh, he, he saw two boats, Jesus saw two boats on the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. Uh, it's a very simple solution. Borrow a boat, anchor it just offshore, and teach the people as they are standing or sitting along the shore. Uh, we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about Simon Peter in a minute. My question, as we look at those verses, is whether you spotted the key element of Luke's introduction. Did you notice the, the radical and amazing aspect of Jesus' ministry? The reason why the crowd is pressing forward to get near him. It's the content of Jesus' teaching. The Word of God. That phrase, the Word of God, God's Word, is extremely significant in this Gospel. Uh, Jesus is teaching a message. Uh, that's what Word means. It's a message from God. And in a sense, Jesus' Word is very prophetic. When Jesus speaks, you hear God speak. Consequently, uh, Jesus' teaching has authority. Uh, if you flick your eyes up to a few verses beforehand, Luke 4 verse 36, you see in that verse the people are discussing Jesus' authoritative word. As Jesus speaks, he's revealing God and his plans and purposes for Israel. And here in verse 1, it appears merely a reference amidst the, the content of Jesus' teaching in this situation However, as this narrative unfolds, the words which Jesus speak are significantly more powerful than we can actually imagine. And as we read throughout this entire gospel, you'll see this theme come up time and again. So keep an eye out for this term, the Word, the Word of God. Not only to comprehend what Scripture means by it, but also to understand its power. For as, as Jesus finishes up proclaiming the word of God to these crowds, he instructs Simon and his crew to take him out fishing. And we will see that Jesus' instruction is both surprising and powerful. You see that in verse 4, uh, that Jesus' command to Simon is simple. He, he says, put out into deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. And that seems like a rather innocent instruction, doesn't it? Uh, it, it might actually be considered a very Australian request. Uh, after a taxing day, speaking to all the crowds, uh, Jesus just wants to kick back, throw out a line with some mates, and do some fishing. Uh, well, Jesus has something has a deeply profound purpose behind this. He wants to demonstrate the power of his word. 
So obviously, as a professional fisherman, Simon Peter is a little hesitant. Uh, He finds Jesus' instructions uh, a surprising request. Uh, Do you see what he said in verse 5? We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Simon Peter knows from experience that the fishing isn't particularly good at that moment. Uh, He has the boat, he has the nets, he he comes from a a family of seasoned fishermen. He knows what the conditions are like. He tells Jesus how it is, yet he obliges him. And it appears Simon is completely unaware of the power of God's word. For as his team cast out the nets, they suddenly catch a huge number of many fish, verse 6. And their nets can't cope with such capacity. In fact, when their partners come to help them, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come to a system, the boats are so full of fish, they start to sink. The surprising instruction has resulted in a truly miraculous catch. As a result, Simon Peter is confronted by the power of God's word. Luke tells us about Simon's response in verse 8. He says, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Simon Peter recognises the power of God's word. He comprehends Jesus' authority. Simon and his crew can put two and two together. In verse 9, we're told... They're amazed at the size of the catch. These are professional fishermen. They can see that something extraordinary has happened. This could only happen if the one proclaiming God's word to them, instructing them on the boat, is actually the creator himself. And as Simon comes face to face with his creator... Peter recognises his unworthiness, his unclean human condition, his pitifulness, his, his faults, his failings. He immediately perceives his sinfulness before his creator. Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. That's amazing confession. Simon understands that he he doesn't deserve to be in God's presence. His life is tainted by sin. How do you think you you would have responded if you were in Simon's shoes? From the miraculous catch, it is obvious to, to Peter that he is standing in the presence of no one else other than God, his creator. Would we have come to that same conclusion after hearing Jesus' simple command and and seeing these results. As amazing as this catch of fish is, Luke wants us to understand that we haven't seen the full extent of the power of God's word yet. Yes, Jesus' word results in an unbelievably huge catch. It exposes the human condition of the sinner. What more can the Word of God do? We'll have a look at verse 10, how Jesus responds. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be catching people.
people. When, when Peter is confronted by the word of God, he pushes Jesus away in his fear. Go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. When Jesus speaks God's powerful word, he calls Peter to himself in grace. Do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching people. The question uh, you might be asking yourself, if you're reading this for the very first time, is how can Jesus ignore Peter's sin? All his rebellion and, and sin against God. How can Jesus ignore it? Well, he doesn't. In fact, Jesus is working towards a solution to that very problem, the problem of sin. It's a solution that requires Jesus' death on a Roman cross. Uh, his death will be a foundation of a word which will bring forgiveness. If we ever get to Luke 24, we'll hear about that word that needs to be proclaimed and testified to. So here, really, when we're at the beginning of Jesus' path to that cross, we see God's power come as a word of grace. Uh, Jesus calls Simon the sinner not to fear. He treats Simon in a manner he does not deserve. Uh, furthermore, Jesus calls Peter to also accompany him on his mission. Uh, Jesus is on a mission of catching people. Now, that, that's a great metaphor when you're talking to a fisherman. Uh, I was trying to, th I was racking my brain all week. I, was asked, I asked Rochelle, and together we were trying to rack our brain, what other profession you could, you could use to make such a catchy thing? Uh, you know, if you're a chef, chef, you could invite them talking to a chef, come and we'll cook people. It doesn't work. I, I just couldn't think. It works so well for these fishermen. Come and catch people. Jesus invites Simon Peter to follow him, to be part of his ministry. Jesus calls Peter to speak the word of God to sinners, to share God's grace with them to bring about the transformation in people's lives. Jesus is concerned for people. His desire is to bring them a powerful transformation uh, to call, by calling them to follow him. And throughout these next few chapters, we'll see it time and again, Jesus demonstrating this power as he calls people out of lives of sin to follow him to live transformed lives. And he'll call many people to join him in this mission. This is the calling that we too have received from Jesus. Even though we were sinners, we hear God's word, this message about Jesus. Uh, we, we often use that term, the gospel. It is through that gospel message that we are called to experience the power of God's grace, to experience powerful transformation. It is through that word we are called to follow Jesus. We are called to be his disciples. Uh, now, and our purpose as disciples really hasn't changed. We are to fish for people, uh, to catch people, 
to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means we speak his powerful word to one another and to the sinners around us so that they might receive grace and be transformed. Uh, it is, it's so exciting to hear that uh, Ben Coe is going to join us next year, uh, that he's spent the last four years getting trained up to speak God's word to us. It's, it's great to also hear that uh, one guy's locked in and possibly another person is locked in uh, to do our ministry apprentice program. We, they'll have the opportunity to get the right equipment, like a good estuary rod. Uh, they will be taught the best methods and times to catch people. And hopefully they'll get trained in using the best 